Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Who's excited for church? Come on. We have not met. My name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started this crazy place called Bull Church four years ago. And next Sunday is a special Sunday because we turn five. Come on. Anybody excited for our birthday? Uh, We got a photo booth. We got desserts and we got baptisms. Come on. And if you have are one of the 65 people who said yes to Jesus this last year at this crazy church called Bold, uh, we want to help you take your first step of faith, which is not coming to a building to sing karaoke. Come on. It's not going to, to a group. It's not even reading your Bible. God, the first thing that Jesus wants you to do is to go public with your faith, with baptism. It's a symbolic, it's a symbol that you were, the old version of you is dead and the new version has come alive. Amen. It's a picture of what Jesus did on a cross for us. He, he was buried and he came alive and you are now alive in Christ. And uh, we have, for the last three weeks, we've been talking about sliding into God's DMs, this collection of talks on prayer. And I read this quote this last week that like shook me. But this great theologian named Eric Gregg, he says, I don't like prayer. I was like, whoa. He said, I love Jesus. So we pray. Because the goal is not to get more prayer. The goal is to get more Jesus. Prayer is the vehicle to get to him. Religious people brag about how much they pray. Christians brag about how much Jesus we get. Amen. And this is the, cl- the conclusion of a collection of talks. And every week we've been trying to inspire you, trying to unlock something. Today, I'm, it's really not the, the why or the what of prayer. It's really the how. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what to say to Jesus. And I'm going to challenge you with a different thought today. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. When we see on the screen, someone shout amen. amen. Trust God. Someone say trust God. trust God. From the bottom of your heart. This is the MSG version. Some theologians call it the salty version. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything that you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one that will keep you on track. We're going to start with that foundational verse. We're going to build on it. Got 10 verses for you a lot. Normally, I preach and I shout the house down. Today, I'm going to teach. Can I go a little slower today? Let's pray because I'm going to unlock something. Uh, let's, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive and well. God, we may have walked in one way, Jesus, but even if I've been coming to church for 20 years or 20 days, I'm going to walk out different, God. God, your word is alive and it's active. Change me. Transform me from the inside out. Thank God that your word, every time I read your word, I get to spend time with the author. God, would you come into this place? Speak to us. If you believe that everybody said? Everybody said? Give me some Jesus, a round of applause. That was some... Uh, in 1936, one of the best leadership books that was ever written was written by a guy named Dale Carnegie. And what's so significant about this book is it was never adopted as a school curriculum, but every year it finds its way on the top 20 on the best, most sold books ever. You go on Amazon any time of the year, it's in the top 100, sometimes it's in the top 20. And even though he's a, a man of faith, the book is not about faith. And he has this one principle in this book that is so powerful that most people, listen, They love one name. Now, you love to hear this name called. You love when this name is praised. You love when when there's an award show and your boss is talking about when your family members, it's your name. 
that the sweetest name is not Jesus' name, but it's yours. And when you understand this principle, the way that you make friends and the way you influence people changes. Because in conversations, we want to be the center of attention. Dale Carnegie says, no, 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 no. Make them the center of attention. Ask them how they're doing. Talk to them. What are their dreams? What are your vision? And in doing so, you, you make a friend. But all of us, we, we all have that one friend. You, don't, you can raise your hand. That all they do is talk. Anybody have that friend? If your hand's not up, you might be sitting next to that person. You can keep your hand down. But we all have that friend, right? That every time we hang out, all they do is talk about themselves, tell them their life updates. They never talk about you. And we love them, but they're annoying, right? We love them. Here's my foundational question. When you pray, whose voice do you love to hear? Yours or God's? See, often we come in prayer and we're doing all the talking. We're sharing our heart, our dreams, our vision, and God is the greatest Del Carnegie ever. He loves you so he'll listen. He'll never interrupt you. He'll never say, well, let me. He loves you so much, he'll just sit there. And he'll be your best friend. But he wants more than just to be a soundboard. He has some things to say. Uh, what I love about the scriptures is that God gives us pictures and he gives us stories, not so we can make fun of these people in the Bible, but that we can be encouraged and spurred on by their faith. I love the story of Abraham. The Bible calls him a friend of God. I want to, anyone want to be God's friend? Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, what do I got to do to be your friend, God? Do I got to come to church every week? Do I got to read my Bible every day? It, it, Genesis chapter 18 reveals something about Abraham did that no other religion. He asked God questions. Say, God, if there's 100 people in that city, would you destroy it? God, what if there's 50? Aren't you, I thought you were this, this amazing God. What if there's 10 people in that city? And Abraham shifts the focus of religious prayer, whereas we talk to God, we share our heart, and he goes, I want to hear from you, Jesus. What's your heart? What breaks you? What are you saying? And for me, this is particularly very challenging because I came out of Islam. In Islam, you don't really talk to God. You don't really pray to God. You just repeat to God. Say the same thing over and over again, and God never talks back. So imagine coming into a, a religion where it's more about relationship than doing. It's more about connection than activity. It's more about me being known and me knowing him than me doing things to be loved by him. Some of you, your prayer life is awesome, but it's you're doing all the talking. And I want to unlock something today, maybe give you a different perspective when you're praying, is it your voice that you love to hear, or do you want to hear his voice? This next thing I want to challenge you is, is it replies, let's not just with your relationship with God, even your spouse. It's this. When, now next slide, one more. If you don't listen to someone, you don't love them. You ever be on a date with your spouse, and you hear this couple next to you, and that's on the, they're on the first, like, oh my gosh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> green? Oh, I love green. And they're wearing all black. It's like, no, bro. You don't love green. You love her. And you, you just talk. How do you like your coffee? With milk or with water? Latte or Americano? Café con leche. <laughs> and you ask all these questions when you're on a date for the because you're trying to learn about the other person. And so often, the relationship, reason why relationships break down is because the questions break down. You stop asking. You stop pursuing. Don't date a girl to marry her, marry her so that you can spend the rest of your life dating her. And so often there's intimacy problems in the bedroom because there's intimate conversations that aren't happening outside the bedroom. And with Jesus, 
Listen, God loves that you pray to him. But if you love him, you'll make room, like Ethan's song, worship team. You'll make room for him to speak. I love that the scriptures reveal God that speaks. God, when he made the world, he didn't use a hammer or his hands. He spoke the world into existence. God said, God said, God said. And then we put Adam in the garden. He spoke again. He says, go have sex and multiply. The first commandment was no. was go get naked. We have an awesome God. All you atheists, I don't even need more evidence. That's all the evidence I need. He's real. But there's a problem. How do I hear God's voice, Pastor Ali? Is he going to speak to me audibly the way he did Adam? God doesn't need to speak audibly because he can speak straight to your mind. But there's tension there because God's not the only one speaking. Genesis chapter 3, there's another preacher. There's someone else who comes speaking, and he wants you to listen to his sermons. And he asks the question, did God really say? And there's this tension. How do I know it's God's voice versus Satan's voice? How do I know it's me versus, how do I know it's God? I wrote down like this. When God speaks, it's inspiration. When the devil speaks, it's temptation. Let me tell you something. You know what Jesus sounds like? He sounds like the Bible. And the more you read it, the more you can discern his voice. Satan will tell you not to do this. Satan will tell you the opposite of this. When God speaks, he wants to reaffirm this. If you want to hear his voice better, get off Facebook and get in the book. And so often we, we, we don't think about what we're thinking about. We just spent four weeks in the last sermon series, collection of talks called Think Like a Monk. And the whole idea is that if I want to change the trajectory of my life, i got to change the way I think. And not every thought that comes into your head is from God. It's, but you can't stop it. Let me give you an example. When I, when I was single, when I, when I was not married, one of the things that I love to do with my friends is we'd go to Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And because we didn't have kids, we could leave the house before 11 a.m. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you have plans to leave on Saturday at 8. It ain't happening. Throw away your type A personality. It's never going to happen. But when you're single, you can leave whenever you want, whatever. You can eat whatever you want to do. So we go to Santa Cruz, and we play football and volleyball, and then we do it most, we buy a, a foot long from Subway and sit on the beach. And if you've ever been to the beach, Santa Cruz, there are these planes that advertise, and there's this banner, you know, buy a car from so-and-so. It's like, really? He wants me to buy a car? Or my favorite is downtown San Jose, DJ Reptile. It's like, oh my gosh, let's go. In the same way, that's what's going to happen to your mind. There's going to be thoughts that come in. I wrote down like this. You notice it, but you don't entertain it. No one makes plans. Oh, my gosh. DJ Reptile, downtown San Jose. Let's go. Some of you do, but most of us don't. But the idea is Satan's going to be speaking. He's having a banner. You're not enough. Have a banner. You should leave your spouse. You have a banner. You should cheat on your taxes. It's a banner. Smoke that joint. Click that link. You got to learn to discern which voice are you going to listen to, because the voice that you listen to will determine the trajectory of your life. And I love Jesus' words again. Let me read you Proverbs. No, let me read you Second Corinthians. Sorry, verse ten. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. There's a battle for your ear, and who you listen to determines the trajectory of your life. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. Stronghold is when a, it's a mindset. It's this language that you believe something about God, but you can't obey it in your life. 
because you're prevented, because you're believing the lie. God, God doesn't love me. God doesn't want me to do that. I got to do this. And you're stuck. And whereas strongholds are generally meant to keep the enemy out, when the enemy develops a stronghold, he's trying to keep God out. And it continues. They have the power to demolish these strongholds. And this is the key that I need you to understand. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. Not everything you think should be thought. Not everything thought that you think comes from God. And if you're going to speak to a living God, listen, he wants to speak to you. Proverbs, let me read it to you again. This is the foundational verse. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. He wants to speak to you. He wants to direct you. He says, don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice. Why? Because he's a speaking God. He's a speaking God. Everywhere you go, he's the one that will keep you on track. And today is really not about the, the, the why or the what. It's really about the how. And there's this idea that I need to give you before I give you my three points. It's this. Your posture determines how you listen. I can tell who's listening by the way they're sitting in their chair. Because they're leaning in. And the dude in the back is checking his fans' football team. I can see it. Sorry, wives, you're going to miss us for the next four months. We're, we're focused on something super important. But there's a posture that you can have with God that will change how you listen. Listen, God is triune. He's a father, he's a son, and he's the Holy Spirit. And my posture needs to change with each one of those gods. Listen, if he's a father, point number one, I need to listen like a child. Do you listen like a child? Because if God's a father... And he's speaking. Not that I become a child, but I listen like one. See, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we don't understand the context and the story. In our day, when we go to college, we move cities, or we go to class for a little bit, and we study under a professor for maybe two hours a day, and then we go home. There's no relationship with the professor. I don't go home and have dinner with him. In the first century, that's literally what you did. You didn't go to a school. You went to a rabbi. And he taught you everything. When he ate, you ate. When he traveled from one city to the next, you followed him from one city to the next. Yeah. On Sundays, you guys see me. None, no one's here on Monday having breakfast with me other than my wife. Because we're not first century, but the disciples did. And they'd see him preach these amazing sermons. They'd see him heal people, do miracles. And they saw his public life, and they wanted his power. And they spent time with him when he wasn't preaching. And said his power must come from his private life. Teach us how to pray so we can do in public what you're doing. And Jesus says, you're, you're approaching God the wrong way. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, our Father. This is the first time in human history, first time in archaeological history, any religion tells you to pray to God like a father. It's the only one. In, in Greek mythology, you were a slave. I came out of Islam, you were a servant. A child, though. Imagine the access. Imagine the things you would say. If you go to Israel today, you could hear little kids in the street. They say, Abba, Abba, because they're calling their father. That's the language that Jesus wants you to use. It's this language of intimacy. The Jews, when they heard Jesus teach, they were embarrassed because of the language that Jesus was using. You don't understand. He's not just God, your almighty. He's not just God, all-powerful. God, your healer. He's your father. Let me give you this example. I have 
two girls, six-year-old and a three-year-old. Pray for the three-year-old. She's not saved, but she needs it. It's in that season of life. And uh, after school, church on Sundays, we'll do this thing where we'll go to the park and play Pokemon for an hour. Any 40-year-olds brave enough to wear their, raise their hand that you play Pokemon? I'm the only one. Oh, come on. I only do it because I have little kids. Right? So we'll go to the park, and they'll be like, Dad. And they'll talk, the two of them. And they're like, Dad, we think you should give us a snack and not tell Mom. I'm like, no. I don't want to sleep on the couch. And then I'll go back, and they'll talk. And then Zoe, she's always the one in front. She's like, Uncle Ali, give us a snack. Because when my nephews come over, I give them anything they want. I go, no, Zoe. And she goes back. She's looking, talking. She goes, Pastor Ali, give me a snack. <laughs> Don't call me pastor. I'm your dad. It's just weird when my three-year-old calls me a pastor. And God thinks it's weird when you come to him and don't say dad. Do you pray to God, but do you listen like a child? Do you listen like a child? I, I love what Jesus says. This is challenging for you because some of you in this room, let's be honest. Your dad wasn't there. He was abusive. He was absent. He was present maybe, but he wasn't engaged. Some of you in this room, you have great dads. And it's hard to think of you becoming a better father because he, you had the best dad. Some of you, it's hard to pray to God as father because you had the worst dad. I came to remind everyone, regardless of whether you had the best dad or the worst dad, God wasn't made in the image of your father. Your father was made in the image of God. So if he was awesome, let me tell you, God's even better than him. And if your father on earth was terrible, let me tell you, you can trust God in heaven. Don't project the things that he did on your father. And so many people, every time I sit down with men, we do a discipleship thing where we, who are the people you need to forgive? At the top of the list is always their dad. And it prevents intimacy. It prevents relationship. You can't receive from a father if you have unforgiveness towards your earthly father. And I love that Jesus shows his relationship as a child speaking to the father. Now, this text is going to challenge some of you. Because it's going to go against the performance mentality that you were raised up in. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew chapter 2 is... He is conceived, born of a virgin. We see him at age 12. And then from age 12 to age 30, the scriptures are silent. Zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> Chapter 3, he's 30. And this is, he's now about to begin his ministry. I need to give you the context. He has done nothing at this point. No blind people see. No dead people have been raised to life. And look at the way the father speaks to the son. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. This is where you see the Trinity. God, the Spirit of God is descending. Jesus, God the Son, is in the water. And the Father in heaven, a voice from heaven, said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. Look at the language. He doesn't say, Jesus, you're my Son. It's as if God the Father is talking to the crowd, and Jesus is behind him saying, Guys, this is my Son. I love him, and I'm so pleased with him. Notice Jesus doesn't show up with his report card. He doesn't, he hasn't done anything. 
I remember reading, like, why are you praising him, bro? He hasn't done anything. Because in my home, I didn't get thanked, praised, acknowledged until I brought home A's. Some of you ladies, maybe your dad doesn't acknowledge you until you lose weight or until you clean the house or until after you graduate college. You have to earn praise, but your heavenly father is different. Sometimes it's hard to not work in the church for God's affirmation and love. Listen, if you want to have a relationship with God, you got to learn to listen like a child. And you need to know this truth. He's a father with acknowledgement. This is my son. And he's not even talking to Jesus. He's bragging on him to everyone at the crowd. This is my son. I can't tell you how many people grew up, their dad never showing up to baseball games, never being there, practices, never acknowledging you on the journey that you're on. Maybe he comes to graduation. Maybe he shows up on the big events. Maybe you're like your wedding. But on the day-to-day, he doesn't acknowledge you. Your father in heaven is different. Number two, your father comes with affection. This is my beloved son. In my home, I, I have this cat and mouse game I play with my, my daughters. If they want something, they got to pay for it with kisses. <laughs> I go, you want that? Well, you got to give me a kiss. Dad, uh. I'm like, girl, just get ready. You're going to be on your prom. I'm going to push your boyfriend away. I'm going to kiss you on the lips. Just get over it. I'm that dad. And my daughter, she doesn't like kisses. She goes, oh, dad, and she does this. Like, you kid, I'm like, no, girl, on the lips. You're so weird, Pastor Ali. You don't have a girl. I'm a girl dad. And my daughter, she, she, she knows. I trick her. She goes, kiss me, because she knows. She'll lean out her cheek, and I'll reach around and kiss her on the lips. I love showering my girls with affection. Some of you grew up in a home where your dad never touched you. Never said, I love you. Never bragged about you to his friends. And it's weird when you see Jesus, who's done nothing, get all this love and attention. Let me tell you, everything that the Father spoke over the Son, Jesus, the Father in heaven, speaks over you. Because you're in Christ. These words are your words. He loves you. You're his beloved daughter, or you're his beloved son. Anybody thankful for this love? Amen. Number three, a father comes with affirmation, with whom I'm well pleased. Not before he did anything, or not after he did everything, before. Before. I love the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 18. But Jesus called the children and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter. It's this idea that you and I are praying to God the Father, but are we listening like a child? Are we making space to let God speak? And when you listen, listen, your posture as a child determines what you hear. Children, write this down, are never in a hurry. My kids, they come to me and say, Dad, let's play. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, let's put a timer on. I got 15 minutes. And I got things to do. Imagine if your kids came up to you and said, Dad, I want to play chess. Uh, I got five minutes before I go watch some Scooby-Doo, okay? They're like, what do you mean five minutes? But we do that with our children. We're in a rush. We're in a hurry. We got, we got things to do. Children, they have no sense of time. I'll be like, girls, we're leaving in two minutes. Put your shoes on. 
An hour later, guess who doesn't have their shoes on? Kids are never, I mean, never in a hurry. Are you rushing through prayer? Are you sitting there like a child? I wrote down like this. Maybe the problem is not God's speech. Maybe it's your speed. You're just running through from one thing to the next. Never allowing yourself to listen like a child. I remember I, I've been to New York three times. One time I, I just flew over and landed in LaGuardia and then left. I remember just being blown away at seeing the Statue of Liberty, seeing the, the Manhattan skyline. I even got to see Met Stadium from 30,000 feet up. Second time I went, I had two days. I spent the whole time in a taxi going from one landmark to the next. The third time I went, I went with Pastor Yaz. It was a foodie trip. We went from restaurant to restaurant. We saw like maybe two things. And the whole time was walking and eating in Jesus' name. And let me tell you, the details that I saw were so different than I just flying over. Listen, there are details that you will miss about God the Father when you rush through prayer. Sometimes you got to walk. Sometimes you got to go slow. See, your God is a speaking God, but do you have the posture of a child to listen? Second thing children have is, listen to this, they take, children take you at your word. I love playing this game with my daughters. I go, Zoe, do you know your dad knows Harry Potter? She'll be like, she'll look at mom, and my wife will be like, And she's like so excited. When God speaks, do you actually believe him? Or do you need to see some like scientific report before you trust him? See, the, the posture of a child, they just assume the best about their father, that they love them, they have the best for them. And when they speak, you just listen. Maybe your problem with, in your relationship with God in your prayer life is that you stop listening like a child. Second thing you got to do, because God is triune. You got to listen like a spouse. Listen like a spouse. See, God is a father, and before the foundation of the earth, God, the father, turned to God the son and says, I want you to go to, to earth, and I want you to die for them. See, some of you in this room think that the cross was plan B, that we sin, we rebelled, and God's like, oh my gosh, sound the alarm. How do we fix this? Go to earth. The cross was planned before we were made. That's why Jesus called the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. It was a, the plan that was orchestrated to reveal God's love for us. He knew we would rebel, and he planned before it happened. So it wasn't the Father that died on the cross. It was Jesus who died on the cross. It wasn't the Holy Spirit who resurrected. It was Jesus who resurrected. That means they need to have a different relationship with this person of the Trinity. They come to Jesus one time. They say, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? He goes, because when they're with the bridegroom, you don't fast during the wedding. But when the groom leaves, then you fast. Jesus referred to himself as the groom. Multiple times in the scriptures, there's this analogy that you and I are the bride of Christ and he's the groom. In the book of Revelation, it says, the spirit and the bride, they say, come, come, Jesus. We long for you to return. Why? Because everything that Jesus did, a husband would do in first century. First century Jew, a Jew would come with his father. He, you know, our culture, we swipe right. And we go on a date alone. Come on. And then we surprise our parents. We're getting engaged. And we're like, I've never even met her. And that culture, it was families that would eat a meal together. It was this communal dating. So the father would be there. Like, I think our family should 
get together, and then there would just be this engagement. And he could say yes, she could say yes, he could say no, she could say no. But when she said yes, the dude left. Pastor Ali, where would he go? He would leave to build a house, and he wouldn't return until it was done. Imagine being engaged and not seeing your girl for a year. You, you bet those hammers are going fast. Like, ah. And he wouldn't return until the house was done. And then when he came back, it wasn't a two-hour party like we do Americans. It's like a five-day wedding party. It was a feast. Jesus, he proposed on the cross. said, I want to be your God. Would you be my people? And he has left building a home for us in heaven. And when it's done, he's going to come back for his bride. That's why the Spirit says, come. That's why the Spirit and the bride say, come. Because we're longing. There's this analogy that we're the bride and Jesus is the groom. And listen, your prayer life changes when you listen like a spouse. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The verse before this is, wives, submit to your husbands. That's a cuss word in Silicon Valley. Let's just be honest. Submit? No. But if there's this analogy that I'm his bride, that means I'm called to submit to Jesus. Because he's actually doing the harder thing. I'm submitting, but he's the one dying. Ladies, let me talk to you for a second. I know it's hard to submit. It's even harder to die. Ladies, if he doesn't bleed for you, don't listen. Come on. Because the, the church, when Jesus was on the cross, they were rebelling. They didn't actually become fully followers of Christ until after he died. You want your wife to listen to you? Die for her, bro. And you want to listen to Jesus. Listen, he's the one dying. You and I are the one listening like a spouse, submitting. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, it says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. He's talking about husbands and wives, but he's trying to compare it. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. God the Son is your bride. You're, he's, your, he's your groom. And you and I, the body of Christ, we're the bride. He does the hard work of dying, and you and I do the hard work of submitting. And there's a level of intimacy that spouses have that's different than any other relationship. This is obvious by a word like this. A spouse has intimacy. Shocker, I live with Pastor Yasmin. Double shocker, we share the same bed. Which means she can have coffee with you. She can spend all afternoon with the kids. But when everyone's gone, her and I get to talk alone. And spouses have conversations in the bedroom they don't have outside. I'm not even talking about sexy Mexican. I'm just talking about conversations. Get your mind out the gutter. There's an intimacy that happens that doesn't happen out. We share things that we don't share with anyone else. There are conversations that Jesus wants to have with you that he doesn't want you to have with anyone else. There are dreams. There are plans. There are aspirations. Do you put them on Facebook or do you give them to your spouse? You know, right now in this room, there are radio waves running. You can't hear them, though. If we, we pause, can't hear anything. And that's when people come to me all the time. Pastor, I can't hear God's voice. What you got to do is you got to get a radio transmitter and you tune it. Because the radio waves are always there. 
But when you tune it, then you can hear it. God's always speaking. But do you have proximity to him? Are you, are you listening like a spouse? Let me tell you, in John 1, 14, it says, the word became flesh. You want to listen to God? Number one, study his word. What does Jesus sound like? He sounds like the Bible. People say, Pastor Ali, I want a fresh word. Would you, would you prophesy over me? I'm like, I got a good word for you. Tell me. Get in your car. Ooh, this sounds spiritual. Get on 85 South. Ooh, I love this, Pastor Ali. Where do I go? Get up on Camden. Where am I going, Pastor Ali? Go to Bereans and buy a new Bible. You don't need a fresh word. You need a fresh Bible, bro. Because you don't need something new until you've heard and studied what he's already said. Do you read his word? Because God is speaking. It's the only book where every time you read it, you spend time with the author. Number two, hear his word. They did this study where they measured what happens to people who read the Bible once a week, twice a week, three times a week, and four times a week. And what they found was crazy. The first three groups, once, twice, and three times, there was little to no life change. Something shifted, though, when you went to read your Bible four times a week. Let me read you these statistics. 60% of those who struggle with alcohol stopped. 61% of people who struggle with porn stopped. 77% of those who gambled stopped. Why? Because you're spending time with your spouse. You're spending four days with him versus three days apart from him. And so often, this is why we, the, the scripture says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. You're reading it at least once a week with me. But can you do it three more times? Do you listen like a spouse? Because he's speaking. And sometimes, maybe the reason why you're not hearing is because you're not tuned in. You're not, you're not close to him. Yeah. Third one is this. Share his word. Share his word. On Wednesday, we begin our collective nights. We're going to do them twice a month. I want to invite you. It's another opportunity to hear God's word. And in that study where they, people read the Bible four times a week, today the average Christian, 2% share their faith. But when you read the Bible four times a week, 223% increase in sharing your faith. And those who begin to disciple other believers, helping them on their journey, 231% increase. Come on. I wrote down like this. Intimacy will not happen without proximity. I, I did a, a, a wedding this summer, but it was the second time. They didn't get divorced, don't worry. They got married in COVID, and there was like five people there, and then they got remarried. Anyone do a marriage on Zoom? Come on. Come on, a few of you. This couple was rebellious. They got married in Santa Cruz Mountains. and said, get you, Santa Clara County. We're getting married, right? And then at their first wedding, there's maybe 10 or 15 people. At their second wedding, there's 200. Remember, this is our Jared and Daisy. Anybody love Jared and Daisy? Yeah, come on. They moved away. They now live in Redwood City. But uh, I remember I, talking to Jared at his second wedding. I'm like, bro, do you want a great marriage? He's like, yeah. I'm like, there are two things that you need to understand about every woman. He's like, tell me, Pastor Allen. I'm like, the problem is no one knows what those two things are. <laughs> Stupid. I heard you. But he told me how his relationship changed dramatically. <laughs> I heard you. I'm not going to make eye contact. How his relationship changed because of proximity. See, the first year that they were dating, he lived in Redwood City. She lived in San Jose. The second year they were together, 
She lived in L.A., and he lived in Redwood City. And he would drive once, sometimes twice a month. Imagine now COVID happened. They're in the same house. They're talking and seeing each other all the time. He said, our friendship shot through the roof. I wonder, maybe the reason why you're not hearing his voice is you're not spending time with him. See, prayer is not just me talking. It's also me listening. If I want to hear my father's voice, I got to listen like a child. But at the same time, I got to listen like a spouse. I want to encourage some of you. I don't say this pridefully. I know my father's voice. This last June, I was at a pastor's conference. It's a very small gathering, maybe 15, 20 guys. And the leader of the cohort said, I want everyone to get up and go pray and ask God for a prophetic word for someone in the room. Leave the room. We're praying for half an hour. And I heard my father's voice. I heard Jesus. Come back in the room. There's a guy in the room. I said, you are saying in your heart you're too old. God says, stop saying that. His face is blank. Thanks. Like I just lost a friend. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> the next day he texts me. He's like, how did you know? See, he's 46 and he just started a church. And he's overwhelmed because all the guys are in their late 20s or early 30s. He's like, I'm too old to do this. And I said, no, you're not. Stop saying that. You're exactly where God wants you to be. God wants to speak to you. And when you're around him long enough, you know his voice. My daughters, they'll wake me up once a week at two in the morning. And I don't, I, I still to this day can't, when the lights are off, I'm like, who is it? <laughs> Sophie or Zoe? Dad, honey, they're calling for you. Because <laughs> they just want me to stand outside the door. My wife never has to call and say, honey, this is your, husband, your wife. Because I know her voice. God wants you to hear his voice, and you know it. We got to change your posture. Do you listen like a child? Do you listen like a spouse? And finally, number three, do you listen like a friend? See, God's a father. He wants to show you affection. He wants to give you affirmation. So you listen like a child. You're not in a rush. You're not in a hurry. Whatever he says, you listen. But then if you want to hear from the son, you got to listen like a spouse because he's the groom and you're the bride. i got to do the hard work of submitting to what he says, but he's going to do the hard work of dying for me. But when I listen to the spirit, listen, my posture has to change. In John 14, it says, the friend. Someone say, the friend. The, friend. the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. There's this idea that Jesus is about to leave. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus gives his longest teaching on the Holy Spirit. You ever been in the room when someone's about to die? They don't talk about fantasy football. They don't talk about sports. They talk about only the most important things. Jesus is going to be crucified the next evening, the next morning. He's spending all of his time talking about only the most important thing. I'm leaving, but don't freak out. I'm going to send someone to you. While I'm preparing a home for you, I'm going to give you a friend. He's going to, your relationship with him is going to be different than a father, different than a spouse. I wrote down like this, friends, they can enjoy the silence. 
You ever go on a road trip with a friend? You don't need to talk the whole time. You just sit there. Their presence communicates. You're just around them. There was a, an interview that Dan Rather did about 20 years ago with Mother Teresa. He said, Mother Teresa, you just have this very close, very intimate relationship with God. What do you do when you pray? She's like, oh, that's so easy. And Dan Rather kind of leans in, tell me. She goes, I just sit and listen. He goes, wow. That's amazing. What does he say? She goes, he just sits and listen. He's like, I'm confused. Who's talking? And she said, friends don't, don't need to talk sometimes. Deep calls out to deep. Some of you need to learn this, silence. You need to turn off the podcast, turn off the worship music. It says in Psalms, be still and know that I'm God. There's a knowing that doesn't happen in activity, but in the silence. And when he, God becomes your best friend, sometimes you don't even need words. Just being in his presence is enough. And you take the word silent and rearrange it, it's this word listen. Some of you need to learn to listen like a friend. Because your friend is speaking. And God is such a good friend, he'll let you talk and talk and talk. Talk about your dreams, talk about your aspirations, talk about your hopes, your dreams. All, and he'll sit there and go, mm, that's good. But he's waiting for you to ask him how he's feeling. Do you want to know what God breaks God's heart? Ask him. Do you want to know what God cares about? Ask him. Do you want to know what God's thinking about? He's a person. Talk to him like he would a friend. See, sometimes in our prayer life, the voice that we love to hear is ours. But when you learn to hear his voice, it brings life. John 14. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. Now, if you're not in first century, you're like, why is Jesus comparing me to a sheep? You gotta understand this is an agrarian culture. Everyone knows who shepherds are. And often shepherds would hang out together. Because how do you defend against lions and bears? Oh my. You do it in a group. So imagine five shepherds, each having 100 sheep. Man, I I walk in the mall, people are like, are you Hassan Minaj? You can't even tell Middle Easterns apart from each other. I'm like, bro, come on. How do you tell sheep apart from each other? What the shepherd does is he calls his sheep by name. And they, they know his voice. Do you know your father's voice? Because he's, he implies that when you're in relationship with him, you know what he sounds like. You ever go to a married couple and be like, are you in a relationship with one another? And if he hesitates, back of the head from her. What you mean you don't know? <laughs> Ask a Christian if they're in a relationship with Jesus and watch people stutter. Uh, um, I, I think it's the same question. Christianity is a relationship with a speaking God. And those who are in relationship, they know his voice. And maybe the reason why you can't hear it is because you don't listen like a child, you don't listen like a spouse, and you don't listen like a friend. Last verse. Last, let me, let me go back to the previous verse. Sorry, sorry, one more. Didn't finish it. One more. One more. There we go. Sorry. In the back. You're doing awesome. 
I know them, and they follow me. See, this collection of talks is called Sliding Into God's DMs. The most followed person on Instagram is Kim Kardashian. The most followed athlete is Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, we can debate who's the greatest soccer player, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. If you think it's Messi, please leave and find another church, okay? (laughs) Kidding. No, I'm serious. Please leave. I love Cristiano Ronaldo. He's ridiculously talented. He's good looking. He's athletic. I'm describing both of us. Come on. (laughs) Kidding. But the way I talk about him is as if he's my friend. And yes, I've slid his DMs before. But he never writes back. See, that's what some of you do to God. You tell him your dreams. You tell him what you want. You slide into his DMs. But you never pause and allow him to speak to you. I wrote down like this. Some people in 2020 are fans of God. But you're not a friend of God. Because when you're a fan, you talk, but he doesn't talk back. And listening is praying. Last verse. John 15. Great love has none than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. God is so good. Listen that not only will he listen to you talk, he'll then go die for you. He's way better than Dale Carnegie. You can read Dale Carnegie and grow business. You can read the scriptures and grow faith. Greater love has none this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. No other religion first off, ever says pray to God as Father, but then it says that God wants to be your friend. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God would walk in the garden in the cool of the evening. Lovers talk face to face. Friends talk shoulder to shoulder. You know why God wants to be your friend? Because He wants to do life with you. He wants to go 